Listen, I was going to do intros for you, but A, we've been on this call for like an hour, and B, um, also, there's too many of you. So how about you do intros for yourselves? Sounds good to I'm me. Game. Okay. I'll right, go first. first. Okay, Maria, to... Maria's going first. She's got it. She did it. Okay, I'm, I, I never like to say anything about myself, but I, here's what I'm going to say to anybody out there. I am 61 years old. I put out my first book when I was 57. So I want to tell anybody out there, do it. You're never right. too old to do this. Um, I have written five books in a paranormal romance series called The Legend of All Wolves. Um, nice stuff said about it. I'm not going to say it myself. Uh, and that's it. I live in New York okay. City with two kids, a lot of dead plants, and my husband. All right. Presumably not one of the plants. No, strangely. <laughs> I think okay. it's something about the commas or the, you know, should have been in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. All right, who's next? I'll go. Okay, uh, my name is my name's Steph. I go. My author name is S. L. Prater. I write naughty, magical kissing books that always have uh, bold heroines that are always witches. Um, yeah. I have seven books out right now, um, and um, I'm currently in the process of finishing a retelling series. I have a Beauty and the Beast coming out in October. And I am a proud member of Pharaoh Feb. And yeah, that's me. I maintain that it's pronounced Pharaoh like Pharaohs, because that's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bella got I, mad at me last time I said that. <laughs> I think uh, the, the pronunciation is one of those open to interpretation things. I hear Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Uh, so whatever, yeah. whatever makes your fantasy romance loving heart happy. That's true. That's true. Who are you, Villa? Have you been on this podcast before? I I seem to recall something about being on here before, uh, and I was talking about my books, which are the size of murder weapons. I'm I'm yes. that that person with the vampire books that won't fit in your purse. <laughs> you know, you know that picture of that one really cool scientist lady who worked for NASA, who like coded everything to get the moon landing going, and then like they showed the code all printed out, and it was like the size of her. Um, that's Vela's book. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry to say if you stacked all of my notes about the series on top of the books that are out and the books that are still coming, it might you yeah I might be able to to hide behind it uh, from from the, <laughs> the angry terrifying. readers who are who are th their eyes are are strained. Yeah, but they're so good though. They're so good though. I love those. I'm books glad you very enjoy much. them. I I um you know my when I uh, put something on my website in the FAQ in 2018, when I started this series, I, I said, okay, it's long, but I promise you there's no filler. There's always a reason for the next book. So that's my promise to the readers. No chaff, all bloody wheat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The vampiric harvest is coming. Yes. Terrifying. Hey, that's a scary phrase. That'd be good on a, on like a poster for some terrible, terrible movie that comes out around Halloween. Um, the Vampire Harvest. Hey, guys, I just made a great movie. We should make a movie. 
It's perfect for spooky season. <gasps> yeah. That's all you need is all you need is the title first. Everything else flows yeah. from there. Yeah. I'm kind of imagining though, like getting bushels of vampires, like with my scythe, just kind of like scooping up bushels of of, of sexy vampires. <laughs> and it's a great time for me personally. Yeah, I was going um, for grapes, wine, you know, grapes, grapes wine, and wine. That is a different angle. I imagine like grabbing them like a bunch of Ken dolls in my hands and <laughs> <laughs> but, but we can do yours just fine we can we'll, we'll work on it in the writer's room we'll figure it out uh so today we are gathered here friends loved ones um to to celebrate this no we're here to uh to talk about the fact that y'all are some of the people some of the cohort who wrote a the beefiest of anthologies. Well, it's not the beefiest, but it's quite beefy. It is almost 800 pages long. Yes, yes, yes. The I have not seen the physical book. It's 666 pages long, exactly. When I looked on my Kindle today, it was like, no. it is... Yes. Hilarious. That was the final formatter, and that was the final page count of the paperback. <laughs> Did you format it so that the final page I count swear would be I just did it on purpose, but when it happened, I chuckled and I said, okay, the universe understands uh, <laughs> just all the forbidden desires in our anthology. <laughs> well, what's funny is on the. Um, on the Kindle edition, it is almost it's like seven hundred and forty four pages long. Um, so so I, I I maintain that I am correct. It is a very long uh, anthology full of absolute gangbuster novellas. Um, they are all based on like myths and fairy tales and stories and and like yep. some really cool like uh, architects is not the word. What's the word, y'all? Archetypes. What's the word? Archetypes. There we go. Thank you. Um, and uh, which is something we've talked about kind of briefly on the podcast before. You know, there I think there's definitely been a resurgence in the past couple of years of fairy tale retellings. Specifically, this moment right now is really rife with them uh, and gearing those fairy tale retellings in a much more uh, pointed direction towards monster romance, which has been an interesting angle um because not everyone who has been writing monster romance fairy tale retellings has done it before or seems to really understand the genre um which is a fascinating look into trends and things um but uh i i i wanted to talk to y'all about a because i enjoy all of you very much but also because you all did some really cool novellas based on wildly different fairy tales um and we are going to talk about like each of your inspirations there but we're also going to talk about like how this kind of came together and why what you know how you decided to do this and how you wrangled all the cats that are um all of the writers who do things um independently and don't work well with other people <laughs> <laughs> um so let's get a little bit of a breakdown of of how this happened like when did this idea start to do this anthology um, and how the theme kind of came about. Who wants to who wants to take the lead there? Um, I, if I remember correctly, it started with the Discord. We have a Discord server with fantasy romance authors, mm -hmm. and there was kind of always a plan. So the um, originator, the the creator of uh, Farofab or Farofab or however you want to say it, to each their own, right? Uh, Harriet had always wanted to do an anthology. And had been talking to Vela about that, mm -hmm. and it they they brought it up on the server that this was something they wanted to do, and um, 
they we needed we were such a diverse group mm-hmm. we needed a something that could be um that, that could fit all of us and retellings was something because we, you know we have contemporary writers we have writers who do historical settings we have gas lamp authors we have paranormal yeah. romance authors that's that's uh, such a widespread of subgenres yeah but fairy tale retellings can touch all of those so that's where we ended up with with retellings i believe yeah i i feel kind of guilty because i think the subtitle is something like uh fairy tales and other stories mm-hmm. and as i was reading through it i realized i think i was the only other story <laughs> in the entire collection because everybody else is a is some kind of fairy tale mm-hmm. maybe from a different place we have some lesser known tales in there though like um aaron's story about the ondine and yeah but ondine is a is a is definitely a fairy tale from is a french fairy tale baba yaga is a russian fairy tale Mm -hmm. i mean cernunos is a is a mythological figure not a not really a fairy tale so i feel i felt a little bit guilty about that when i was reading it and i was saying Oh my gosh, these people just gave me so much leeway. <laughs> I think there's there's sort of a spectrum between mythology, folklore, and fairy tales, though. Mm-hmm. And we sort of, you can dip in and out of all those. There's a lot of places where they blend together. So, I mean, I think it works great. And and the way you wrote your story has such a fairy tale feeling. Yeah, Probably. I think that's what's important. I don't think that, it, you know, it's not necessarily about being hard and fast I, I i think that is a a problem a lot of fairy tale retellings and mythological retellings get into is that they try and stick too hard to it so i i actually respect a kind of making your own fairy tale version of this interpretation right like that's very cool well i also think a lot of these things started as women's stories they were more i think mm-hmm. folklore and i think a lot of them probably have somewhat pagan roots to them and then, oh yeah, right. I was and looking then, into it, and a lot of them were like, "Oh, it was so funny." How many times I looked at the like the the origin of the myth or the fairy tale, and it was like, "Oh, this pr- has connections to the epic of Gilgamesh." Right. And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, one of my favorite books of all time. Thank you very much. But also, <laughs> what? Like, how does how does the twelve dancing princesses have <laughs> connections to the epic of Gilgamesh? That's so wild! Wow, I I really passed up an opportunity there to put a lot more exciting action and monsters. Where was Inky <laughs> Doo? Where was Inky Doo? I know. I I just I left him out of my version. <laughs> Gilgamesh would never forgive you for that. <laughs> but this is something we talked about early on in the development of the anthology too. Is the the subtext of female power in fairy mm-hmm. tales and the potential to develop that and celebrate it in our current context. And that's one reason why we agreed that part of our theme would be bold heroines. And I, as Steph was saying, we all write such diverse styles. And I think one of the challenges with Farofeb all along has been we want to represent the entire huge variety of fantasy romance. And that mm-hmm. includes monster romance, paranormal romance, epic fantasy romance. We are a big tent. We we like including everyone. But when you're going to publish and market an anthology, you have to have something, you have to have a compelling message for the reader mm-hmm. that, you know, identifies for them. What is this book about? What's, you know, how does this hook into my favorite themes? So we chose fairy tales because they're both very diverse, but also 
you know, they, they're uh, something we can unify around. Yeah. And then we further refine that theme to be uh, forbidden desires or forbidden love, temptation by the forbidden with bold heroines, because we all love the idea of the heroine going after this thing she's not supposed to have. Yeah. And kind of sticking it to the man. <laughs> we love that. We're we all about that. sticking it to the man right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think Definitely. last time I did uh, a Faro Feb panel, I was with a bookseller who wasn't really familiar with all the, the different subgenres mm-hmm. of romance. He was wonderful. But we were talking about it. And, you know, the truth is you have urban fantasy, you have, you know, fantasy romance, you have every different kind, paranormal romance. It's really a kind of speculative romance, I think, mm-hmm. is is a larger, perhaps more inclusive yeah. uh, title. I mean, I don't I don't like all these breaking downs because I like them all. And I don't know where I have to go to find the books that I like, which have more to do with the plot than it, they do to, with, is this a high fantasy? Is this second world? Is this, you know, all these other yeah. subdivisions? You know, it's funny. I had a, I, I was at the bookshop yesterday and um, I was talking to this woman who didn't know what she wanted. She wanted a recommendation. And, but she was like, I've tried all of these books. She gave me a list of books that she had tried and she'd put down because she thought they were really boring. And and every single one of them had this pattern of being a popular women's fiction slash literary fiction book that people had told her to read that she was expected to read. Um, and even some contemporary romance was in there. And she was just like, I just found them so boring and I don't understand. And she told me some ones that she she had liked and they were all genre. Um, mm-hmm. and And I was like, Okay, I think I I'm at, the doctor is in and she has diagnosed your problem. And I was like, it's because you like genre books. It's because you like a genre hook. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, listen, I don't think you like epic fantasy. I don't think you like to be taken so far away from your world. What I think you like is a good genre hook because who doesn't really who doesn't love a genre hook she's like i love the midnight library and i was like okay that's paranormal <laughs> like it's, right. she's like i love you know i love this book i love this book and it was all like a sci-fi hook or like a dystopian hook and i was like i don't know how to break it to you but you don't like literary fiction you don't like women's fiction i think you want some weird paranormal romance <laughs> um yeah ah, another convert <laughs> yeah and she like looked at me she's like what and now so i started handing her like i have a shall we say advanced romance section in my bookshop, my bookstore, um, and uh, which from which I have sold Bella's book uh, oh, because I, you. I, I like to bring in all my faves, um, and so I was like, okay, and I pulled some, and I pulled a, I, I pulled a like dark paranormal, I pulled a sci-fi, I pulled a more fantasy, and I was like, these are all essentially the same genre. What you are looking for is something that has an interesting hook that is outside of our world, but the actual characters are still recognizably in our world. Uh, like that's what you want. And she looked at them and she read them like all the first pages of all of them. She's like, "Oh my god, yes, I love all of these." And I was like, "Yes, You're they're welcome. all the same. <laughs> they're all the same." <laughs> um. So yes, I had I had a moment where I was like please if you just if i just tiptoe into this i can convince you that actually literary fiction is super fucking boring and what you want (laughs) is some vampires okay let me just let me just sneak on in here um and i think i I think i did it i think i I, she did buy them so 
But I think I think there is, you know, you want the imagination. You also want, for me, for example, I, I sometimes find I don't read a lot of contemporary romance mm-hmm. because sometimes or too often the struggle and the, you know, the, the stumbling blocks are just too inflated. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's one of these, oh, we don't talk to each other or families yeah. don't get along or it's. You know, it's one of those things where two phone calls, three texts, and you're you're out of there. Yeah. But if you have speculative fiction, mm-hmm. you can set up these absolutely glorious problems that yeah. are not surmountable by a text. I and I think that like personally, I don't read books, generally speaking, to live in my world more. <laughs> right? <laughs> this world Yep. It sucks eggs, y'all. Like things <laughs> yeah. are so bad out here. Yeah. It's so bad. Like we just had the we just passed the anniversary of when San Francisco didn't have sun for three days. So like, you know, like I don't necessarily want to be here currently. But I do like certain things like I've said to Bella before, like I like flush toilets. I like I like uh, the trappings of a modern life. I just don't like Antibiotics are good. Antibiotics, yeah. these things, modern medicine, these things are good. Um, so I personally want a book that'll be my world, but and the people I love, right? This this really interpersonal connection between the characters. Mm-hmm. But I want some freaking magic or sci-fi or something. Take me away, Pagliacci. Like I'm begging you, please. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like this idea of speculative fiction being transformative and transportative. I don't know if that's okay, but I have a question for you. Yes, you yes. said something about you like the characters to be recognizable. Yes, I do. Because yes. this is something that I kind of like. I like it when a monster is not just a monster with all the, you know, it's basically a human, but has a purple penis or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I, don't, I, I like to feel like they're looking at us like, who the heck are you? Why do you act like this? I see. Here's the thing. When I say recognizable, I don't mean like that they have to be human. Right. Like, I don't mean that their motivations have to be the same as ours. I I, I, what I mean is the connection between because when I'm reading romance in particular, like if I'm reading speculative, like hardcore speculative sci fi, then you can go as weird as you want. I don't care if they like us. I don't care. You know, whatever. But if I'm reading romance it the romance has to be there and i have to be able to connect with the feelings and the inner life of both of the characters or however many characters are involved um and that has to be recognizable to me if i can't recognize the emotion there and the motivations there then i'm i'm lost you know like i i i check out um but that doesn't mean that like they all have to make sense to me. I just have to recognize them. Um, and that's a, you know, that's a fine line to walk because I do think the trap is, Maria, like you say, like one of my complaints with these people who are hitching their wagon to this retelling situation slash monster romance trend is that a lot of these people who have never written it before, who don't really read the genre very much, are going in and being like, okay, I'll make a werewolf man and he'll be big and furry and he'll have a weird penis but he'll still be a dude. So I don't know. Like, he's he's the same hero as all my other heroes internally. But on the outside, it's enough that he has a weird dick, right? 
nodding. No. As long as you add nodding into it, you know, yeah. it's like, you're good. And, yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's that's not enough because, uh-uh. you know, what's so compelling about monster romance, and this is something that our our anthology co-author Elsie Winters has said before, it's not about the fact that he's a monster. It's about how the author makes him human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's about how the author humanizes the monster. And it goes back to what Maria was saying about the culture and the morals Mm -hmm. and exploring, you know, how the monster looks at humans and how the human learns to relate to them. And that's just so meaningful and appealing to me about. His life would be so fundamentally different from ours by just the dint of him looking so profoundly different that his experience would be so different. How is that character going to, like, connect with somebody who doesn't come from that? Like, that is what makes a monster. A monster is an outsider. A monster is someone who doesn't act the way we expect them to. Um, That's why so much of monster romance is queer allegory, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, or I guess not necessarily monster romance. There is a lot of queer monster romance, but monster stories. Um, So it's it's a very, I, I think... Monster romance is superficially very easy to write, but actually connecting with the core of what what makes monster romance special um, is harder to do, especially if you aren't necessarily someone who spent a lot of time in the pool. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, this has been so deeply appealing and compelling for people since Frankenstein, since Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can go back. Monster stories are a huge Mm -hmm. part of literature and folklore and our psychology. And... I think it's exciting that the romance genre is just deep diving yeah. into that. It's so, you know, it's so relevant. And and I think that's another thing that's really exciting about the anthology is we managed to include epic fantasy and paranormal and monster romance yeah. and just get everybody in there. And steampunk. Yeah. And, you and know, steampunk and gas lamps. We've got all sorts of things. So really, I, and I'm just, I mean... I'm, I'm supposed to not be shilling, but the um, just the the breadth of imagination, in a way, by by limiting it to this sort of retelling idea, it manages to emphasize the different kinds of style and subgenres and interests and concerns of of each writer. And yeah. I, think I thought it was really amazing. Well, everyone, if you give everyone the same paints, right? no one is going to, there. no two people are going to make the same picture. Exactly. Right? And exactly. I think that is, that is what's so amazing about human yeah. creativity is that no matter, even if you were all given the same exact fairy tale to retell, you would come up with vastly different stories every single time. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that is awesome. So I actually want to, since we're about, not quite halfway there but i do want to um stop here to go over the fairy tales you guys are retelling individually so steph i'm gonna start with you um can you talk about what your fairy tale is absolutely yeah so i chose baba yaga who is Mm -hmm. most infamous for being a folklore a russian folklore witch um, mm-hmm. or or an ogress. Sometimes she's she has a, a bunch of different types. There's a bunch of different versions of. Bobby I also Yaga. saw her as being listed as a phallic mother figure, which I don't even know where to start yeah. with that, fam. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the thing that attracts me to her is not only that she a witch, because obviously I have a slight obsession 
all of my heroines and all my books are witches. I love witches. Uh, I'm I do. Here for I'm witches. with you. So and I know you yeah, are you too, Abigail. Yeah. I know we, we you are too. We love a good witch. Yes, we do. So anyway, so I, I had to not only pick that because she's one of the most infamous witches that there is, but also because I love how ambiguous and complicated she is. Sometimes mm-hmm. she, I would say most of the time she's a villain, but sometimes she's also just a straight up vigilante. Like she's go, she, she becomes part, she's pulled into the story and she makes things right in a pretty wicked way, usually. You know, yeah. she's going to right someone's wrong. Um, I love the way Baba Yaga makes people work for it in every story she's in, making them do chores, making them go on ridiculous quests to do things that she wants. So I just, I, I've always connected and loved her and knew I needed to tell a story with her in it. And I chose Three Nights just because of this, the fascinating concept that she would have these, you know, Three Nights is a story of, of these uh, mythical creatures that probably represent uh, day, dawn, and night. Mm-hmm. And they serve her, which makes her seem like almost goddess-like, I guess you could say. I saw a so, lot of comparisons, yeah. When I was reading up on the, on this of Baba Yaga, it was a lot of like, is she a nature goddess? Is she a mother goddess? Is she a like fertility goddess? We don't, is she like a villain? Is she like, sometimes maybe the most used word when I looked it up was like, I think their use of the word ambigu- ambiguous was used like, like 40 times in this article I was reading. And I was like, well, yeah, sounds like, sounds like she's just a badass lady who does what yes, she wants. Exactly. Yes. Nobody is in charge of her. She does her own thing. So, yeah. Not that and, and then, but turning her into, turning it into a romance, I don't honestly know. I don't know where that came from. That that magical place all of us authors reach into where we're, you know, the, the creative juices come out of. So she the, became the, What if they smooched question is, yes. is, uh, is yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I yeah, thought so it was that. interesting because it was also, you know, it's also the forest goddess, you know, that Ray is sort of forest, and then you have, um, and then you have this witch, and a witch is so frequently, uh, and you know, what was it? Seventy percent of the women who were uh, on trial in the Salem witch trials were mm-hmm. unattached women. Yeah, and there's something about this unattached women that, to me, and the forest, which is considered legally in america unimproved land mm-hmm. it's it, it to me it all sort of pulled together in this rather wonderful way you know never uh, trust a woman in the woods i've never, been saying it right. <laughs> so how did you how did you work in the romance there because like you said that you know you don't know where it kind of that kind of came from it's not she's not a particularly <laughs> romantic figure no. besides the like kind of raw sexuality of the forest which i think we can all agree on yeah um Personally, my first thought when I was reading the article, Steph, which mm-hmm. I please, if you are doing a sequel, please feel free to interpret, um, is that uh, there's a there's a little side note that sometimes in the myths, her house is has a bunch of disembodied hands inside <laughs> it that help her do things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> I see. Hello. Hello. <laughs> She's doing it for herself. You know it. Yes. Yeah. The house can move. The house is like sentient and it's got a bunch of hands. Like, is is that not a love interest? <laughs> so you can live inside. It's an it's the perfect man. Mm-hmm. And he does the dishes. Yeah, no. exactly. And he keeps you warm and safe. He's still my heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I think making knights, just like the forest, just there's raw sexuality there. There's that with knights too. Knights yeah. and charming armor, you know, the knight and shining yeah. armor. That didn't, that wasn't a huge stress. I, I liked the idea though that instead of having, you know, the, I only had 10k to work with, so having three love interests just wasn't going to work for this story. So I, mm-hmm. in this case, I obviously make the three knights one man who unfortunately is cursed with madness. So he, you know, he thinks he's three people. He is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, you know, and then this witch trying to break this curse. Um, and I knew because it was Baba Yaga that she was going to have to do some chores and some tasks and things like that. So that's probably where it all sprang from, I would say. Um, yeah. Well, I think like that is a really cool interpretation of it. Um, and definitely not what I would have would have done. Um, I would have been like, well, there's three nights. So, well, I guess there's three nights. <laughs> um, I can, guess I, can I just say something? Because yeah. I'm so totally out of it. Um, it was only yesterday or the day before yesterday that I realized that RH does not stand for romance historical or something like that. Because I was oh, actually on a Facebook group. Oh no. And no, I was doing it list and they were saying something about uh, is it RH? I said, no, no, no. It takes place in the contemporary world. I know I'm so it's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Oh my god, that is extremely oh, good. Awesome. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's so many acronyms. We 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 kind of have acronym soup now, and yeah. and I I mean, we all have trouble keeping up with it at times. I mean, I, I still need I someone. It. I always need someone to to explain the distinctions for me between MMF, FFM, MFM. Like, I know it's really important to get the order of the letters right yeah to yep. capture the relationship and i'm just like but yeah i listen i i i feel like i'm primed for this because a i am really good at pretending like i know things until i can put the context together so i just like i'm like uh-huh yeah and then like two years down the road i'm like oh fuck, yeah i got it i finally got it and no one knows but also um i grew up on fanfiction.com or .net i should say and uh and there was nothing but acronyms and nothing but euphemisms um so i i feel like my brain is wired to kind of put the clues together uh that being said sometimes y'all i straight up i have no idea um and also there's a lot of terms that we use that are like grandfathered in from an earlier era which are like not ideal like the term reverse harem um it's not a good it's not a good way to refer to that why don't we just call it poly romance friends uh why is it weirdly gendered but also like racist like it's weird it's weird it's very weird yeah it's like all weird maybe we don't need to use that um but but then again so come up with another term with a much better less confusable to those of us who think of it as in terms of historical romance. Polly's but a there. Much better, yeah. Polly's there. Polly. Yeah. That's fine. We, we already have that. We just need yeah. to put the hat on. Like, right. I, I, it's, if we don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way, fam. We don't need to do that. Because every time I hear the word reverse harem, I think of the Sheik. Have any of you read the Sheik? No. Okay. I haven't actually read it, but. I have. <laughs> and it is. I keep meaning to do an episode on it. It's going to be extremely grim. Um, so I keep putting it off. Like my Clan of the Cave Bear episode, it is my Scythian torture. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know if any of I you have know. I have Clan of the Cave Bear. I hate that book. I fucking hate that book. I hate that book so much. Listen, and I, it's not the book's fault. 
It is what it is. But the amount of times the book has been sold to me as a romance novel, I cannot I cannot stomach it. Um, because the first book, at the very least, is not. It's so dark. Um, <laughs> so profoundly dark. But also, who? Jean? Why does Jean hate Neanderthals so much? She's like, she, she goes out of her way to be like, these Neanderthals are the worst beings on the planet they're misogynistic and stupid and their brains are tiny and they'll they think that they're they're smart because they can remember everything but they can't even they can barely make tools and it's like gene gene what neanderthal broke your heart who did this to you i'm sure they were fine i'm sure they weren't any more misogynistic than than we were in like whatever the hell era that was yeah anyway anyway i got strong feelings by clan of the cave bear and i forget how i got on this track uh but reverse uh, oh, Yes, yeah, yes, there we go. There, there is a reverse Harem Baba Yaga series, actually. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. No, yeah, oh, there is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Yaga's Writers or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. C. Rochelle, right? Yeah. There's, hey, there's a book for everybody, baby. There's a book for everything. If you want it, <laughs> yeah. it's out there. Okay. Romance is the biggest Frankenstein. Term. Okay, here. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not going to keep going off tangent, but Frankenstein Romance I have looked for and not found. I'm waiting for this book. I'm waiting for this book. It, it needs to happen. I, I think I, the problem is looking it up using the word Frankenstein because I yeah. there are like a lot of I I I know for a fact there are a lot of books that have been inspired by Frankenstein. But I but if looking in search terms, right? Like if you right. typed in Frankenstein romance, I don't. It wouldn't come up with anything. Mm. I don't think. Um, I, I find it very hard to believe that you can't find something in Google. And you know, she makes her own man. You know, it's a, it's just. It has so many. What if you looked up like homunculus? Homunculus. <laughs> That's my new term. So, hey, Maria, maybe you need to add that to your yeah, to be Maria. Hey, list. come like, on Like, what, what are be you doing after Legend of All Wolves? I am just yeah. dying to know what you're writing next. Um, I'm I'm writing something right now, which is sort of questioning whether we were on the wrong side of Ragnarok. If we're rooting oh. for the wrong people in Ragnarok. Nice. So okay. That's Norse that's, goodness. That's cool. Yeah. I have a, a, a friend of mine would very much enjoy that. My friend Amalia Dillon. She <laughs> she's uh, she'd be super into that. Um, yeah. No. I I I think that if you have a harebrained idea and you really want to read a book that's not in the world yet, or at least that you can't find, it is your responsibility to write it. So Maria, yep. um, when you write that, you'll come back to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just, I, it'll have to be for some anthology. There will be some Halloween anthology, and I will definitely write that. Maria, I want you to double down, and I want you to write a Vela roth size series about this, uh, <laughs> this oh. Frankenstein oh, no. man. Oh, no. Don't curse oh, no. anyone with that task. <laughs> Vela is yeah. sweet, generous. I am not doing that. <laughs> Please go back and tell past Vela not to write a Vela size series. You are my yardstick now for just incredibly bodacious series. Um, like I thought I knew, but I, I didn't know. Not until I read your books, Vela. So. <laughs> well, no, I'm kidding. I have I have no regrets. It just it does get challenging to explain to people. Yes, we are on. Yes, we are on book six about the same couple. Why? <laughs> and each book is like six hundred pages long. Don't worry. Do you about have it. Do you have a Bible? Um. Yes. It, it It's about four hundred thousand words of notes. It's like two more books of notes. My heart just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, in all fairness, I I've been working on it for a really long time. Like I started. Uh, 
I, I don't feel like being fair to you right now, Vela. That's insane. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh. madness. Well, I, I started on it in 2013, so it's been almost 10 years of accumulating thoughts. Has anyone checked on Vela? Do we know that, <laughs> like, do we need to do a health check? Send some, help. Vela? <laughs> I just don't want to have okay? all those words suddenly fall down yeah, on top of exactly. her. Like some Collier brothers. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. send me some wrist braces for the from the typing. That's that's Jesus. all I need. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I my my wrists don't hurt after typing for a really long time. My, like, the, the very fine muscles in my fingers hurt. Do you guys get that? Like little muscle strain right at the like ends of your fingers. No, I get brain just... hurt. Wow, that brain, too. brain do hurty, yeah. but that's constant. Um, yeah, you know. Um, anyway, uh, okay, we went off on uh, many series of tangents. <laughs> so let's uh, let's Maria, please explain your your oeuvre to us. Uh, okay, um, it in no way works in any kind of fairy tale retelling. But I, I like to think that, as Vela said, it has a sort of fairy tale tone to it. The idea is, um, I've, I've always liked in fairy tales, the clash between the forest and the castle, the wild and the civilized. And- We're back to Gilgamesh. Right. And Gilgamesh is everything, so we should just all do Gilgamesh retellings. Yes. Um, And in this one, I had, I decided to have a town that is extremely sort of mercantile and calm, and it's called Summer Houses. And the reason they are able to be so staid is because they have something called demon keepers. And the demon keepers are bound with demons, your rage, your fear, your self-involvement, your all of all of those sort of strong emotions that are can be so distracting. And so the demon keepers hold hold on to them. And they're always women because as somebody says in the book, women know how to take care of their demons rather than constantly fighting with them. Well, sometimes, sometimes. I, I, no, I love that. That was one of my so, favorite lines yeah. in the yeah, story. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but she is then bound to a to a demon who is not of the normal type, mm-hmm. and she's she, she struggles with trying to figure out who this demon is. And this turns out to be the demon of wildness, Cernunos, the god of wild places. And so it's it's really about this conflict between wild and civilized. What is it to be staid and sane? What is it to be sane and what is it to be mad? And is one actually better than the other? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of going, it's going into this kind of very fundamental archetypes <laughs> there. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, you know, I love that because I think, you know, our, just coming from the perspective of someone who cares a lot about writing uh, about mental health and mm-hmm. And also, you know, I think neurodivergence, I think we have as a society way too much glorification of what we might call sanity. Mm-hmm. And it's really good to embrace, the, you know, this idea that, that that's not necessarily better. Yeah. Right. That, that, and Absolutely. that there are things that these differences offer to us. Yes. And if we can 
not necessarily battle them and just immediately say, oh, this is awful and this is wrong, but actually learn from this in the same way that we can learn something from the wildness, yeah. from what is wild. So something can be can be lost when you go right. hard one way or the other, right? right. Like um, there's a lot of gray area there and there's a lot of really beautiful stuff that can come from being a little wild, just as right. there's a lot of wonderful things that can come from, you know, society, like right. medicine. Well, um, it's, it's, you know, I called it Idlewild um, mm -hmm. because Idlewild is, I, I love the name, but it is mm -hmm. also, if anybody knows, it is the name of the one of the least wild places in the world, which is LaGuardia Airport, used to be called Idlewild. <laughs> and it's to me, it's just like so painful wow. that this sort of gorgeous name was once LaGuardia Airport. Yeah. Wow. Um, I lived on an Idlewild Street, actually, as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and then I have it changed because the mayor talks about Idlewild will be idle no more, as though the forest is something that is there to be used. Yeah. And so they change it to Idle, I D L E wild it will be idle no more and yeah. i i just like the idea that there are these things that have value hmm. even if they don't have purpose yeah in in yeah. our lives from our perspective yeah so the purpose is to exist and that's right enough. and that has to be enough yeah that has to i be think enough. that that's great. I love that. I think that's and I I think that is definitely like I, I I disagree that it's not, you know, a fairy tale. I feel like that is a very fundamental sort of fairy tale. It's the kind of thing that like, you know, if you look down deep, what is the core of a fairy tale? Right. It's going to be the clash between what society deems appropriate um, versus right. what actually is the like purpose of life and um the morality of existing in between those two spaces right, right, right. Uh, how often is a fairy tale a woman having to choose between like ostensibly like familial duty uh usually an evil stepmother or something who treats her terribly but she serves anyway um mm -hmm. and going off and you know f figuring out how to actually live her life and to serve her community and stuff and those things are often in conflict just as like all of this stuff is it, it, it all has the same dna mm -hmm. it's just you know how gritty you get into the details how far away from that you get but it all traces back to that that fundamental conflict yeah. which i i think is you know fabulous yeah. I, it, that's i think it's wonderful i i like that you kind of stripped it down to the marrow um to talk about that well, you know, um, this this my story kind of goes back to what you were just saying about that tension between familial duty and the woman living her own life or, you know, to kind of tie it into the theme of our anthology, her mm -hmm. chasing her desires. And so when I when I approached the fairy tale, I was thinking, OK, I want to make this story an introduction to my fantasy world of the Hesperines, which fairy tale is a natural fit for that and which one gives me lots of opportunities to explore the theme of the anthology, this yeah. temptation by the forbidden. And I, I went back to the 12 dancing princesses because I've always found it very appealing, but I always thought it had the wrong ending. Yeah. It's a weird one. Yeah. I was looking so, at it and I was like, I was like, what is the, what are the, 
what is the moral here? I'm not. Yes. I mean, so you have this story about these 12 sisters and every night they sneak out to dance with these mysterious handsome princes mm-hmm. on this island in this uh, in this magical lake. And it's just so romantic and exciting. And their father is the king and he he knows that something's up and he says, OK, men of the kingdom, whoever can figure out what my daughters are up to, I will let you marry one of them. And if you try to figure it out and you don't, I'm going to kill you. Uh, and so, you know, the story starts out with him executing a few of the guys who fail to, As we do. Yeah. to find the princess's secret. And so, long story short, in the end, uh, some old codger war veteran with a limp decides that, you know, he's going to fi- figure it all out. And he uh, he does. And he asks for the eldest sister's hand in marriage. And that's the end of the story. And so... You know, it's never explained who these princes were, why it was so terrible that the girls might be meeting with them. They they're just, you know, dad and the suitor kind of spoil their fun. And um, the girls don't really have much say in any of it. Uh, And so I said to myself, "Okay, I want to see some kind of I want to subvert this. I I want to know, you know, uh. What's going on with the princes? Who are they? How do the girls exert agency? And the beautiful thing about the original story is these are really clever princesses. And the main reason that most of the the suitors don't succeed is because the girls are drugging them. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> right. They're fantastic. <laughs> and uh, they're you know, also I mean, sneaking tr- through a trap door and then going like through the woods and finding their way to this magical lake. Like yes. what? Are you kidding me? They're amazing. Yeah, these are badass girls. Yeah. Like they they are like, we're not gonna, you know, sit in our room. We're having fun. And <laughs> you know, I mean, the fact that they drugged these guys, it, it, they got them killed, okay? So yeah. these these girls are pretty yeah. hardcore. Um yeah. so in my story, I decided that the princes are Hesperines, which are my high fantasy version of vampires. And right. we love them. So the mm-hmm. girls are definitely going to um, make sure that they get there happily ever after. And it is I decided... so very hot. <laughs> <laughs> so hot, Bella. Uh, I read a lot to me... of Bella's theme, and this, as we've established, her books are are bodacious and huge. I've read a lot yeah, of Bella's theme, but the sure. but the royalty theme dirty talk in Twelve Dancing Princesses <laughs> is some it's of very, my favorite themes. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was so funny because at first I was like, I was like, oh, 12 Dancing Princesses. Like, that is a that is a really strange, kind of not necessarily the most romantic um, fairy tale for Vela to choose. And then I thought about it for two seconds and I was like, sneaking out Forbidden Romance at night. Uh, yeah, no, that's Vela. I don't know. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I honed in on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing that's so appealing about it is it's the eldest sister uh, in the end, who gets stuck with this guy that, you know, she may or may this not old want. soldier. Yeah, I mean, he's like <laughs> yeah. a, I mean, and okay, you, you could totally write a fantastic romance about yeah. an older hero with a war wound. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that you can't turn that no. kind of character into a superhero, but in this story, he's not, okay? In this story, yeah. he's like, it, it's all about the men making the women do what they want. Yeah. And so... My, my books are always about women 
you know, sticking it to the patriarchy. And my vampires are heretics who are outcasts from society who revere women. And so I knew that I wanted this eldest sister to get her happily ever after with her vampire prince. So, um, you know, and a lot of a lot of the authors in our anthology are mature women who have been through some stuff in life. And I got a lot of really nice comments from our co-authors saying, hey, this really speaks to me about this woman who's been making sacrifices for other people for years. And now she's going to go chase her desires and her dreams mm-hmm. yeah. with this. A hundred percent. I love that she with- was older and a widow. That was fantastic. There's not yeah, enough I love that. old I widow love heroines. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you all like that. Yeah, I and I, you know, I thought that when I when I read it, I was like, oh, this is this is a fairy tale that is ripe for deconstruction um, because it really is such a naked um, lesson, puritanical lesson. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's here's what these women did. Here's how bad they were. They didn't listen to their dad. They snuck out at night. They walked through the woods by themselves. They partied with some dudes unsupervised. And then they came back and did it again and again and again. And when they almost got caught, they started being even more bad by drugging people. Um, (laughs) These strange men who who were going to attempt to follow them to find out what they were doing and then marry one of them, if not multiple of them, against their will. So, like, you should not do this. You should feel bad for being a woman, and you should feel bad for wanting to have fun. Exactly. Um, so that's the core of the lesson. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, but but I think, I don't you think, I, I think a lot of these stories were originally women's stories. Yeah. And But a lot of them were transcribed by men. Yes, yes. Who yes. then were trying to make them palatable. Mm, it's exactly. like one of the things that has always, always stuck with me is Bluebeard. So oh, Charles Perrault is such does a good one. Bluebeard, right? And you have this, no spoilers here because who doesn't know the story, but you know, you have this woman who's been given the keys. You can't go into this room. Mm-hmm. She, of course, goes into this room and finds his seven previous wives hanging from hooks above a basin of blood. Yeah. You know, various things happen. What is Charles Perrault's um, moral? curiosity is not a good thing i'm like wait you've got this guy who killed seven women Mm -hmm. hung them at hooks drained their blood and your moral is Mm -hmm. you shouldn't have been curious how about your moral is go into that marriage with a katana (laughs) or something i think that's that's what everyone should get stitched on a pillow when they get engaged, you should get a pillow that says, go into your marriage with a katana. Um, I, well, I think Wedding gift yeah. ideas. Excellent. Yes, that's what I'm here for. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Maria. I think that there is this really, really interesting duality to all these fairy tales, right? You have the, the female interpretation, right, where we can look at it and see our own version of what's being told here you know to to us it may look like 12 dancing princesses is in fact about you know being cautious about how you subvert authority and like the lengths that women will go to have their own lives right Mm -hmm. and then we have the male interpretation of it which is don't be bad women listen to daddy (laughs) listen to daddy father knows best very old man 
Joyce. Well, like Sleeping Make Beauty. Baby. Like sleep, this is why Charles Pro is so great because he's got these morals. And Sleeping yeah. Beauty is keep your hymen intact for a hundred <laughs> years. That's yeah. his moral. Also, should get that stick stitched on a pillow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, this. Hey, Maria, this is a great like. Uh, you need to open an Etsy store. Like, yes, fairy tale <laughs> moral pillows. <laughs> or just look at, you look at Grimm's fairy tales. Most of the, you know, if you're a pretty woman in a Grimm fairy tale, someone's going to chop you up. If yeah, you right, right. so <laughs> you're going to get chopped into pieces. Someone might come and put you back together. But you're gonna get chopped into pieces. You're gonna get and, and up probably by eaten. There's an enormous yeah. amount of cannibalism. Yeah. In you're gonna that. get yeah. up. Yeah. And, and can we talk about just how dark and grisly the and, and, and exciting the original Grimm's fairy tales are, and just how oh. much potential there is there? Yeah. For to, horror, it should yeah. be horror. Yeah. It should Love not be it. cleaned up and made into a Disney movie. It should be. I made just. Into I think a, it is so interesting to to see the 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 duality of the story right of the a woman talking to a woman right we see something and then um, the man says the same story and we read something totally different because mm-hmm. um, they are interpreting something totally interpreting interpreting something totally different um and i i think that is so emblematic of women's history is of like what did the servants say to each other you know what did what did the old matron say to the to the new milkmaid when she started work right did she take mm-hmm. her aside and she tell her a cautionary tale about avoiding you know the lord of the manor right don't get caught in a room alone with him um and i i think that so much of our stories have that duality and pop culture usually only picks the one version which is the one with all the male fingerprints all over it right. um yeah yeah, and I just I I, I just find that so interesting. I and these, so interesting to hear that echo. So yeah, I would and love to stories see those. are ripe to retell the female version. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I would love to see it stripped back down and see yeah. what that was that those mothers were telling those daughters mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the guys got their hands on it. Yeah, and I feel like yeah. we can say this about fairy tales, or we can say it about religion we can say it about mythology i mean mm-hmm. all of the richest stories that we've had handed down to us have male fingerprints all over them and yeah. if you dig deep enough you can still find the empowering version for women yeah hidden under there were the lessons that a woman was trying to pass to another woman right right like the, yeah. the, they can still be cautionary tales but were they're cautionary tales of a sort of like this the kind that you know, a friend tells you, don't walk down that street and here's why, right? It's not yes. necessarily your behavior is bad. It's here's how to keep safe. Yeah, Here's how to navigate this world. The right. women's whisper network that we yeah. have all learned to trust. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think you're, the choice you guys made of making all the connecting theme here being one of them being bold women um, is such a cool, like, uh, interpretation of that idea of kind of reclaiming these fairy tales to be, you know, to tap into that inherently feminine lesson. Um, I don't know. I, I I just think that's really really great. I'm so glad you guys took that tack. I think it resonates with a lot of readers in 2022. I really do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of the stories are about women are women locked up, right? Yeah. Whether it's the Twelve Dancing Princesses or Rapunzel. Or, you know, Sleeping Beauty is, is yeah. in some ways locked up. 
Yeah. 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 And I think this project, it was a, it's a labor of love, I think, too. In addition, yes, we wanted to do all those things for women and, and for ourselves. But too, this was this was a group of fantasy romance authors who've been told very specifically that there's things we're not supposed to do. We shouldn't mix mm-hmm. our subgenres. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't mix steam levels. We were told that a lot. Don't mix steam yeah. levels. You know, this, that, and this other thing. And we just wanted to see our bylines next to each other. Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's, you know, we're like, you know we what? Love we love like working together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I have to say, uh, in all the reviews, the people appreciate the, the differences but they also really appreciate what was done and whoever made up made that decision to put the heat levels on each story and yeah. to have the content warnings on each story and have you know so that everyone can go through it is a beast of a book i wouldn't necessarily expect anyone to read every story yeah but you can go through there and say yep this is what i'm in the mood for now yeah. And, you know, this is so true what Steph was saying about how we were told not to do this. And we were told, oh, well, if, if you mix all these different things, it won't be marketable and the project won't succeed. <laughs> and yet we have had a really great release week and we're so excited that the book has been well received. It's been mm-hmm. hitting number one in a lot of Amazon categories. I mean, it's it's officially an Amazon bestseller. And it's just been so wonderful to see that this labor of love between a lot of author friends even though we were told not to do it it did work and and as maria said we did really spend a lot of time on the content warnings um and that was actually one of the most time-consuming things towards the end of producing the anthology and steph can tell you we had a what we called our qa team Mm -hmm. and we went back and forth a lot just we did really being careful making sure we got all of those heat ratings just right and so we're really glad that that turned out to be something of value to the readers don't you think i mean i think people have really responded very well to it which puts you know i think a lot of people just want to read the story and and they don't all have to be scorching hot you know sometimes if you read 20 scorching hot stories in a row that's you kind of need to tone it down I think what's beautiful about romance as a genre is that there is a book for everybody. There is a heat level for everybody. There is content for everybody. There is a writer for everybody. There is a reader for everybody. And it's really wonderful to see when uh, authors get together and they kind of really embody that ethos of there being something for everyone here. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, what you guys did. And I think you were also, you, you went to great pains to be very careful and respectful of your readers um, because somebody, yeah, might pick up the book and not necessarily like be able to handle some of the content and you weren't going to just throw them blindly into it. You, you, very carefully you know laid out exactly what was going on exactly what was in it um i think that is a a level of respect for the reader that i very much appreciate um because i think like you you have to trust your readers to navigate what you've put before them to their own comfort right but at the same time you have to give them the compass to do that um and after that you know, they can go, they can go hog wild. And if they read something they don't like, then that's on them, you know, but at least you were clear. Uh, we actually had a really long discussion about Maria's story, whether it should be smoldering or hot, just because he has antlers. 
<laughs> it was a really fun yeah. discussion. I like, mean, it is horny, right? How much monster makes him hot versus smoldering? <laughs> I was totally happy with smoldering. Was, and we were sitting totally there like, okay, but does, do, are the antlers involved in the steamy scene? I'm like, well. Yeah, it does ratchet <laughs> things up. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, yeah. we had a fun discussion about it. Because, I mean, you know, it's not every day that you publish a book that has what you might call sweet stories with kisses only in the same mm. book as monster romance. Yeah. Okay. Right. With just like, you know, like all the chili peppers. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like it. it's it, the monster husband with the scorpion in tail in the library. Uh, <laughs> you know, some of us really that want a scorpion bad. man boyfriend. I okay. know it is. I got to tell you, it's yeah. a hot story. Yeah. So. I think you guys did one hell of a thing. Um, and I am excited to talk to to Elsie and AJ uh, next week. Um, this is part one of, you know, a two-parter on, on this anthology because there was no way we could have contained it to one episode. Um, so uh, I, I'm very excited about that. I, I think that you guys did something really, really cool. And I love all the different interpretations of all the fairy tales. And I love how thoughtful you were about every aspect from the actual fairy tales themselves to how you laid out the book and how you came at readers with the content. Um, I think that is like a level of, um, I don't know, thoughtfulness that we don't always get in anthologies. So I respect the hell out of that and out of all of y'all for doing it. Well, I want to just thank everybody, Bella and Steph, and you know everybody who was involved really in the, in the hard work of it because yeah. they did an amazing job and it was, it was, hurting feral cats. So I can I, only imagine. I, 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 I 100% respect. Thank you all so much. And, you know, we're really proud of the fact that we did the whole thing pretty much ourselves. Um, yeah. You know, we didn't, we did hire a cover, a professional cover art company, obviously, but, you know, the editing and the formatting and everything was done in-house. We all had yeah authors stepping up to do those things so it really is our baby and so we really cared about making sure it it was the best it could be so and i i think it shows um i like i said i think the thoughtfulness is is absolutely apparent like as soon as you open the book like i love i i forgot to mention at the top but i love the the intro by jeffy and (laughs) oh yes i love it i thought that was such a sweet touch it was so funny we were Um, so delighted that they did that for us and that they focused it on you know author friendship because that was really the core of where this book came from you know as friends wanting to get together on a project yeah yeah um, so, uh, the next one, uh, when's that happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, I cannot make any official announcements on behalf of the FaroFeb team, but we are definitely discussing our next anthology project. Oh, fabulous. So, but we, we want to, uh, sleep first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, drink some water, uh, take a yeah. nap. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, touch grass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know about that one, but grass, grass is itchy. I don't know about that. Uh, but here at the end of the episode, y'all, um, I think it is time for various pluggables and self-promotion. Uh, Maria, you mentioned something about not wanting to be a shill at some point in the episode. That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about being a shill. I'm here for you. I'm a bookseller. Let's sell you books. So let's start with you. <laughs> oh, my God. This is actually what I'm absolutely terrible at. Everyone which... is. Everyone <laughs> is. Don't worry about it. Um, 
All right. I mean, I just finished this Legend of All Wolves. As I said, you know, it's um, been best of the year. Each volume has been best of the year romance for Kirkus or Publishers Weekly or somebody. Um, she fancy, y'all. She got the Kirkus. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. You see? This is why I can't do it. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to throw this it. out there because I love being a cheerleader for you guys. Uh, I love Maria's books, and they're just as amazing as everyone says. So go out and buy them. Get them. Right. Yes. Thank you so much, Bella. It's true. Oh, okay. All of the That's links it. to everything are going to be below. But do you have any particular social media you want people to go to to, to see more um, of you? I, I'm a tire fire on Twitter. So, uh, you know, mostly I'm, I'm like, why is the world like this? So yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go there. I do things on Instagram and then the rest of it is my newsletter. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, links are below. Uh, let's do Steph next. Steph, give me your pluggables. Uh, yes, um, next release is of Roses and Rituals. It comes out October 24th. It is witchy and a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Ooh. And um, this beast at no point turns into a boring prince. He stays yes. in his Less. stater form the whole time because that was the most disappointing part of the, the uh, fairy tale for me is that, you know, yeah. We get used to him being this way. He gets used to him being that way. And then he transforms. What? No. Into so, some Chad. No. Yeah. yeah. Chad. <laughs> that does not happen. He, he stays beastly. So if you are looking for a Halloween read with witches and and a beast in a haunted manor up in the mountains, I got you covered. Come and check it out. I will say, if, if any of y'all listeners have read Natasha Pulley and you like her stuff... Um, you will like Steph because Steph does some really, really, really cool, but much sexier work. So <laughs> they are akin in my brain. So, awesome. And I can tell you Steph's next release is sitting in my inbox right now. And you should all be jealous because it's amazing. So go and pre-order it. Yes. Get ready to links, be stunned. Links are there. <laughs> I, have, I have the links. Perfect. So Vela, it's now you. You now. Vela okay. Time. So... Uh, I've written another short story that <gasps> features some of the characters in my anthology story, and you can get it for free if you sign up for my newsletter. So head over to my website, velaroth.com, and you can get 10,000 words of epic fantasy fangbangs. And yes, I I promise I actually did write a short story. It's, it's 10,000 words instead of 10,000 pages. <laughs> So if, if you know if Blood Grace kind of maybe looks like your thing, but you just can't dive into a seven hundred page book, I've got you covered. Go check out the short story. I also have a prequel to the Blood Grace series featuring a different couple, and yes. it's a normal sized book. Yes, uh, it's like the paperback's about two ninety eight pages um, instead of wow. many more times that. Yeah, we're not and, talking about that number, are we? All? Yeah, um, and it's a standalone. It's got a happy ending. So if you just want you know, to dive into my world, get some sexy vampire romance, kind of get a taste for everything without the commitment. I definitely recommend the prequel, which is called Blood Price. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I well, would they're suggest. All, they're all gorgeous books, inside and out. I uh, can't <laughs> recommend them enough. I, I know Bella and I did a whole episode together, but yes. just to reiterate. Super fun. Uh, I am not a huge fan of epic fantasy because i don't like to feel like i'm going to school to read a romance or to read any book really except well 
except for nonfiction. Then I do want to go to school. But I consented to that. So that's different. You signed up for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But Vela's books are immaculate. They're Gorgeous. so good. They're so good. <laughs> so well yeah. So much. So well described. Uh, World building is amazing. Without uh, me. Guys are so good for and my ego. Dumb. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just And they're just like... Your imagery is fantastic, and your pacing's so good. It's all so good, Bella. It makes me so mad. <laughs> well, I just okay. gotta say, I you know, I grew up reading Tolkien, yeah. and and all of the good classic fantasy that just like you turn over every rock and there's more lore under it, you know. Yeah. And I just love immersion. I love a world that feels huge. Yeah. And just like big enough to really take you out of our world. But I also have been a longtime reader of vampire romance and all of the paranormal bodice ripping goodness. And I just I said, why can't we have both? I want all the fantasy and I want all the romance. So that's what my books are about. You were the change you wanted to see in the world. That's what I'm talking about. Love it. Love the initiative. I think you're insane. But I respect <laughs> it. Well, hey, I, I think Maria is going to be the change with her Frankenstein romance. Yes, and then so we can yeah. just like, yeah. we'll have the we'll have Frankenstein and Dracula covered over here. Okay. How sexy can you make neck bolts, Maria? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He can power a vibrator. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> I know. But, you know, scar, scarred heroes are so popular. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, this yeah. is the ultimate scarred hero. And, you know, if you're making him yourself. You can make Technically, him... does it count as Polly if he's made of multiple men? <laughs> <laughs> How dark is that? <laughs> is that allowed? The best of each, the best part of each man. Yeah, you know, how I, do you I, cho- I how do you choose can... the Wang though, huh? Can you tie this back into the myth of Isis though? Like, how empowering right. is it that yeah. like she yeah. couldn't find his phallus and so she made him one? Okay, right. That's I true. think it's well, I think it's wonderful, and I've that's where the vibrator Isis. comes back. And that's where the vibrator, and just like attach like some small jumper cables to his neck bolts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing the neck bolts. I'm not. Doing Damn it! That. Oh. Does that count as a piercing though? People love piercing. <laughs> Piercings are hot. Piercings are good. Piercings yeah. are good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. I I will. I'll keep an eye on this for okay. for everybody for for my listeners because um I feel like we're gonna need to check in. Because <laughs> this is getting done, uh, and uh, I need to I need regular updates. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll be subscribing to your newsletter so I can get those. And if it's not in the newsletter, I'm gonna riot. So, uh, all right. Well. On that end, I now I'm really stuck on the morality of there being multiple men involved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while. But but okay, um, it, it, it's corpses. It's reanimated corpses, guys. Like, is it still a? Is it still him? Does it? Does it count? Does it count? I as, think as that person that it used to be. I mean, we're getting it's into just some a foot. Deep scientific say? moral territory here. Mary Shelley would be proud. Yeah, yeah. I think she'd also be proud of yeah. all the boning. Um. So yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Let's yeah, not she forget was she was a total rebel. Okay. Yeah. She was, she was a weirdo. She had sex in her mom's grave. It's, oh, my God. Wild. She was so... Uh, anybody else had done that story, it would have been a disaster. But she <sighs> was... I, I'm i thinking now, I'm, I bet people have recreated that in her honor. And that's <laughs> yeah. that's a thought to, to ruminate on, isn't it? Um, so, listeners, on that fabulous note, where you imagine what goes on in a cemetery um, with teenagers uh, while you're not looking... Um, <laughs> 
I have things to plug, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, I have books. You can get them if you want. I don't know. They're Definitely paranormal romance. Yeah, I think they're okay. Uh, uh, I think Teddy they're is fun. my book boyfriend for forever, so definitely yeah, get Ted- them. Teddy's pretty good, although uh, Harlan has is maybe he's 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 creeping up there. Steph, my vampire boy is really really creeping up there. He's very good. Um, I am so here for the for the vampire boy. I'm excited yes. about this. He's a retired <laughs> assassin uh, who lives on. I went full I went full nerd on this because I am. That is what I am. Um, but I, my family is comes from a long line of, um, well, trash, and uh, the the kinds of people who always worked in mines for many thousands of years, and including in California, they worked in uh, one of the deepest mines in California called Empire Mine, which is now a state park, um, with a beautiful manor house there that was built in the 1800s and all this stuff. And I decided that I wanted to really honor my ancestors by setting a book there and having people bone on the grounds. Um, so my retired vampire lives on the manor that uh, once overlooked my, you know, Once oppressed your family. Yes, exactly. Um, and so that's, it's been, it's been quite fun for me personally. No one else is going to give a shit, but I, I think it's fun. Uh, so you can read that. That novella is happening. It'll be probably about halfway done. It's, it's serialized. So um, it'll probably be about halfway done on my Patreon uh, by the time this comes out. Um, they'll almost certainly have boned by now. I know that there's a masturbation scene in chapter three. So there's that if we... I, we're definitely there so huzzah i guess i don't know um <laughs> but you can also buy my books on amazon and wherever else you want you can get them from independent bookstores um consort's glory and fragile beings the novella collection there's fangs there's magic there's intrigue i don't know there's witches but there's you had witches. Me fangs. everybody's got fangs that's what i realized i was like every time i was writing a new yes, year it was a different species fangs. i was like Teddy definitely Equal has fangs. He has fangs. four. He has four fangs because he's a carnivore, um, and he has to be able to tear raw meat. So I was like, yeah, of course he'd have fangs. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no one questioned me too hard. Um, my shifters also have fangs. My everyone has fangs. My dragons have fangs. There's every everyone's a fanged. Um, not everyone has horns though. Those those I've reserved for the demons. Um, Yes, I have other things also. So the Patreon works, uh, patreon.com slash works by Abigail. But we also have 100 episodes of this podcast. We are just celebrating our two-year anniversary. There's a lot to listen to. You can get that wherever. We have a merch store. All the links are below. You can follow me on social media at Kingdom Thirst or Abigail K. Kelly on Twitter slash works by Abigail on Instagram. It's confusing, I know. Everything is below. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. I'm here for you. Um, there's probably more. Eh, doesn't matter. It's fine. This has been a very fun episode. I've had a great time with y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you. Thank you thank so you much, so much Abigail. Vela was the one who organized this. Uh, Vela was a superhero and and did everything. I was just here to be like, yay! I just up. had so much <laughs> fun on your pod the first time. I had to get everybody in on this. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. And I appreciate all of the wonderful stories you guys created. And um, I can't wait to see what you do next. So you are all can be on my podcast whenever you want. So please, please come back. Uh, I'm here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, part two of the, oh oh my God. Did we even say the full title of the book? Hold on. (laughs) 
No, Once I don't upon think we did. a forbidden desire. I don't think we did. Once upon a forbidden desire, you can get it in Amazon. All the links will be below. That could have been a disaster. Wow. <laughs> nice to see you. you. Good catch. Good catch. Talking about it. We'll see. Okay. Get it now. Links below. Part two next week. Okay. That's the end of the podcast. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.